the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It is Ash Wednesday. We have made it to Ash Wednesday. It is the beginning of Lent. No meat today. No meat today on this uh, sunny Ash Wednesday. There is no rain. There is no snow. It's a little icy out because we've had all that rain, but make sure you get your ashes today and uh, no meat. The beginning of Lent, but at least, folks, it does uh, signify that um, it's a bright spot. A lot of the snow at least was removed yesterday, and um, and we're, we're making our way through this winter. It's John DePietro this Wednesday. Now, the, the next COVID briefing is tomorrow. The next COVID briefing is tomorrow. Don't forget, no Lent this Friday, no uh, meat this Friday, no meat during uh, Lent. But um, the COVID situation with the vaccine in Rhode Island, it is, uh, it's just atrocious. It really is. And it's inexcusable. And uh, there's just no reason for it. There's just no reason for it in any way. And now we, we don't know exactly when Governor Armando is going to have her big Senate confirmation hearing to be the next Commerce Secretary. Whenever that happens... She will uh, ultimately then, she immediately then resigns, and then she becomes the the next Commerce Secretary for the Biden administration, and at that point then, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee would be sworn in, but it is not without uh, stops and starts and bumps, and uh, things are not going smoothly at all with the vaccine. I did want to play with you, uh, play for you though, excuse me. I was on Newsmax yesterday afternoon, America Agenda, and uh, they came to me, and one of the things I talked about you know, you really think of last spring, the governors around the country were like the big heroes, right? Governor Newsom in California, you know, at one point he had a 90% approval rating. Now they're doing a recall on him. Governor Raimondo, people are so disgusted with her, the way things have fallen off regarding the vaccine. And then you have Governor Cuomo in New York, the uh, disgrace regarding what he did was last spring, he cut in half the number of nursing home deaths in New York. He also had this controversial thing where he was sending people to the nursing homes that that did have covid and so uh it was a disastrous situation he lied about the numbers they withheld information from the department of justice started an investigation i was on newsmax yesterday and i was asked about governor cuomo and also keep in mind he wrote a book last spring during all of this everything going on he wrote a book about leadership in a pandemic and also last spring cuomo was tossed around that Maybe he should be at the top of the ticket instead of Biden. So this was uh, yesterday my appearance on uh, Newsmax. Hold on, here we go. By extension, law enforcement have sat on the truth um, in an effort to try to perhaps uh, play politics um, with the lives of American citizens. Well, Joe. You know, as far as Cuomo, I mean, let's face it, he is Governor Cuomo is basically the biggest fraud to come out of New York, basically since Bernie Madoff. That's right. Uh, instead of Madoff doing with finances, Cuomo did it with nursing home deaths. I mean, th- this is appalling. And, and you know why he did that? And by the way, uh, Isabel's right. I also want to remember, he wrote a book during this about leadership during a crisis. I'm just wondering, I haven't read it yet, Joe, so don't ruin it for me. What <laughs> chapter does he talk about uh, exaggerating and lying, cutting in half the nursing homes when it comes to a crisis? Well, I think that's obviously this an is, important point. This is that's an addendum that he's going to be uh, adding. Governor Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, this is like the Kennedy School of Government. And folks, we're going to have a lot more coming up. On- All right. It's John DePietro, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Let's go back. Let's pick it up right from there. This is yesterday. I was on Newsmax in the afternoon, America Agenda, discussing the situation with Governor Cuomo in New York, where he cut the numbers in half. They reported half the numbers of deaths in nursing homes. And now it's uh, he, just a total fraud. There was no legitimate reason to do it other than he was just trying to make himself look good well, I think this is like the kennedy school of government on how not to handle a crisis yeah. he misled people they cut the deaths in half and why because he wanted to seem like a hero and him and his brother yucking it up on the air and he was the most batch uh, most uh, eligible bachelor in new york and of course he won the emmy you know if you remember last spring there were even people saying it should be a Cuomo instead of Biden on the ticket. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was doing. Notice he didn't say that he's sorry. He didn't. 
this is the element of he he not only thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, he thinks he owns the room. He should, if Governor Cuomo were truly sorry, he would face a lot of those families yeah. and explain why exactly what happened with their loved ones. This is like they're reliving it all over again. Right. 15, excellent, excellent point. Folks, again, that was uh, yesterday on Newsmax. And I also... Uh, was asked about the fact that Speaker Nancy Pelosi is looking to, she's uh, threatening to do like a, a, the, the way they did the 9-11 commission, but she's talking about doing that for the Capitol. And so that's where I said, yeah, I can't wait to hear this. Maybe they could bring out AOC and Cicilline and AOC can start talking about uh, the fact that she wasn't even there when she gave that big dramatic explanation. This is yesterday on Newsmax. Pelosi, uh, start the investigation. Maybe she could call her star witness AOC and give that dramatic rendition of what it was like locked in the bathroom a half mile away. This is all politics. If she now wants to do it, I think it shows that she realized they misplayed their hand. Those are her impeachment managers. On Saturday, I think you could see some of the second guessing coming from some of the senators, how this whole thing went about. And this is all just a distraction so if pelosi wants to do that you know have at it then maybe eric swalwell and cicilline and aoc she can bring in her roster of stars and tell us how dramatic it was yeah. as they were nowhere near what was that, happening that day man that press conference with swalwell behind her just like twiddling his thumbs and there were a lot of nervous people up there and pelosi kept coming back all right panel we have all right so folks that was yesterday on newsmax and again i do have uh, both videos and there's actually even a couple more segments and i will post them on my youtube channel it's john DePietro show on youtube i'll probably put them on the website as well dipetro.com remember if you want to get in touch with me it's dipetro.com but there's a lot of this going on where um cuomo's not the only one if you remember you also had think about it governor Armando. As I've talked about, she sided with the unions against the small business people. That's why people were not getting all that uh, money that they were supposed to get. Uh, and Lieutenant Governor McKee was going after her. But what that was really about was the fact that um, that she was trying to make sure she looked good in front of the unions because she was then also vying to try to get a position within the Biden administration. So, and Cuomo, though, think how horrendous that is. He they purposely he and his aides misled people on the number of deaths in the nursing homes. They cut them in half. There's no excuse. It was all politics. It was all people trying to make themselves look good, thinking they can get away with it. It is incredible, folks, the amount of you know greed and power and just uh, really thinking that the the world revolves around them. And, and, and as much as I know some people were, were questioning the media, but you got to remember, this was a pandemic. There's parts of this you have to take people's words for it, word for it. You don't have access to all this information. You, you can't double check everything when they have the information and you're in a pandemic. You had to take their word for it. So, all right, a lot more ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508 508- 336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508 336 7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor, or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 
401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil. Make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401-521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history, and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, it's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200 this winter. I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. Into the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website petro.com well they are certainly making inroads and uh making themselves felt to rhode island it is the boston globe part of the globe that they focus on rhode island one of their writers is dan mcgowan and dan boy uh, roadmap you uh break it out uh this morning that is incredible with what mayor alorzer is is putting forward a very aggressive legislative agenda i think that in some ways hints to how he's gonna differentiate himself with the race for governor but um take us through a little bit because you really break it down well i think you nailed it john first of all i mean this is an extremely progressive um kind of move by the the mayor who who as we know wants to run for governor and likely would run kind of as the the far left candidate in a race now i should say the the mayor just like every mayor or just like every at least providence mayor releases a you know set of of bills every year that he wants the legislature to pass and the truth is some of them go and some of them don't um and and oftentimes there are things in here that are uh you know kind of more political than uh you know, then they are practical. For example, the mayor has always been very supportive of driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants. The legislature, as you know, has been much less supportive of that. Uh, I remember, of course, the governor made that promise years ago, but, you know, kind of never followed through on it. So, but what this, what makes this uh, very interesting is it's probably the last time he's a legislative agenda before he is a, you know, a, a declared candidate for governor. And you see up and down, you know, he wants to, uh, he, he, he's, he, he the, the number one thing is he wants the city to be able to preserve kind of state aid and revenue. So you want to make sure all the, you know, distressed communities funding and all things like this, uh, you know, pilot funding are all, you know, you're, you're not going to see any cuts, but the interesting things are, are deeper, kind of deeper, this. You know, he wants to reform the law officer's uh, uh, Bill of Rights, which was a big topic over the summer and then kind of faded away. Uh, you know, you, you could see that as an issue he wants to take on in part because it makes him a little bit more of a, you know, kind of appeal to progressives. Um, you know, people forget this. He, he was very, uh, very much against uh, legalizing marijuana for a long time, uh, for several years, and then kind of came around on it as Massachusetts started to implement it, and he is now kind of of the mind of, okay, it's going to happen at some point, so make sure that the cities and towns get more money uh, than, than maybe they were initially expected to get. Uh, the, yesterday, one of his uh, people said to me, 
you know, the way the state carved out its legislation that never passed last year, the governor's legislation was, you know, that that the state would take between 60 and 70 percent of all tax revenue. He wants more of an even split between cities and towns in the state. So that'll be something really interesting to uh, to jump on. And then there's one thing that's that's completely out of the blue in this legislative agenda. And it's a hot topic in Providence, of course, because of the uh, Jamal Gonzalez incident. Um, it involves ATVs. And yeah, I can't believe that. Historically, Providence is a place where the the, neighbor, the residents very much complain. It's one of the number oh. one complaints that I get, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, riding through their neighborhoods and uh, and you know, Providence has this policy within the police, a no chase policy. It's often very difficult to catch a lot of these. Uh, riders anyway, because there's no real great way to identify them. A lot of times their vehicles don't have any, you know, it's not like they all have license plates and things like that. And so Mayor Lorza is saying, I actually want some enabling legislation from the state. So basically let us do this to say, it, you know, to these ATV riders, if you do a couple of things, if you, if we, if we can put mufflers, you know, on your, on your bikes, if we, potentially find a way to put you know rear view mirrors on them things like that maybe we would actually legalize atvs uh which i I said i actually said this and when we were getting briefed on this yesterday i said do you have a sponsor for that bill because i can't imagine anyone will support it and they said well we don't have a sponsor just yet so we'll see what it happens but you see it's it's a wide ranging thing ranges from those quality of life issues all the way up to hey guys we need more money you know, uh, the, as far as the ATV statement go, and as someone that I spent an awful lot of time in Providence this past summer, what, what surprised me was the amount of uh, speed bumps that they put in seemingly to combat that, especially along India Point Park. I know that a lot of the people off Benefit Street into Fox Point, I mean, they would be completely against it. But you know what also really uh, surprised me was, and I, I haven't heard, I see why they're doing this because there's there's things that he just laid out where he is going to establish where he is different than someone like a, a Dan McKee or maybe like a Seth magazine run against him. But I, uh, I was a little surprised at the regionalization that Mayor Lorza tossed out. Yeah, this is really interesting. And this is one of those things that John, as you know, I mean, you've been around for enough <laughs> gubernatorial candidates who tell you, you know, I'm going to regionalize everything. And then it never comes to fruition because it's very difficult to actually get done. You get a lot of opposition among the public employee unions. Um, remember, you know, a lot of these things can be a little bit of job factories. So, you know, if you're a city council member, why would you give up your ability to, you know, appoint people to the DPW, uh, you know, and, and, and share that with pocket if you're Providence or something like that. But the, uh, the it's funny the example that was given to us yesterday in in this legislative uh, briefing that we that a couple of reporters were given was yeah you know maybe there's a scenario where we could share police and fire services which I I thought wow I've never heard that proposal before and then yeah. I, I immediately asked about it they said yeah actually let, let's rephrase that and they they the example that they actually ended up kind of committing to or, or saying w- would be a better example is purchasing so you know if providence and cranston want to go out together and maybe buy i don't know a plow or more police cars things like that some of these things make a lot of sense and you say well why do the why do they need the state to to um you know, to approve it. I think the real answer is you want a state to get on board with whatever you're proposing so that they don't, you know, you don't get halfway through it and then have them pull it back. And I example I would give years ago, there was a proposal in Providence. It was actually during a mayoral, hot mayoral race. I think it was 2014. Uh, there was a movement in Providence and the city council had the votes to, um, to raise the minimum wage for Providence only. And behind the scenes, you had you had a mayoral race where all the mayoral candidates were supporting it. You had a a governor's race where Angel, the mayor at the time, was like working behind the scenes to have it killed because it would look bad for him as a candidate. And the legislature ended up passing uh, a bill that said basically cities and towns can't set their own minimum wages. So that's why you go to, you know, you want the blessing first. It's, it's not rather than ask for forgiveness later. You, you want the, uh, you want the blessing up, up front. The truth is 
when it comes to regionalization, as you know, it's very difficult to do. There are some things you can pull off. And I think this is the mayor's way of, you know, balancing. I'm going to be that progressive candidate with also, look, I've got ideas to be more efficient, too, because that's how you get, you know, you get some folks to maybe uh, be willing to kind of swallow the maybe progressive ideas that they may not agree with, but they say, okay, well, the mayor at least is thinking about taxpayers here too. So he's trying to kind of weave this uh, this path to be the most liberal candidate, but also the, the most fiscally responsible. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McCown of the Boston Globe. Now, Dan, yesterday, the mayor Cranston, Ken Hopkins, he said, you know, he reiterated what Mayor Bacosia Warwick said, which is they think that Governor Vondo right now should step down, step away, because the vaccine and the, the pandemic needs a full-time person to just let Lieutenant Governor McKee step in. As he was rattling off the mayors that he thought were all kind of on the same page, he mentioned, obviously, Bacosi and Warwick, who was one. But then he mentioned Pelosi, uh, excuse me, Palacina. He mentioned Lombardi. I was then surprised he actually even mentioned Mayor Alorza. Um, is that, had you heard that? Is Mayor Alorza, is he openly saying that Governor Mundo should should step away now and, and basically just resign and let McKee take over? He is not. And, and in fact, after, no. after I saw that, in fact, I think I saw it through you, uh, I immediately checked in because I checked in on this last week. And, you know, what the mayor's trying to do, and I, I believe the mayor actually did this on Gmail show too. He, he kind of said, look, I'm not going to weigh in on. Folks, we're speaking with uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. <clears throat> and. We are going to take a uh, quick break and a lot more with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508 508- 336-2110-508-336-2110. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. The heating season is here. Folks, you need to call JKL Engineering today. JKL 401-351-7600. Let JKL Engineering design and install a natural gas high-efficiency carrier Infinity System, the energy efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you think no gas, hey, guess what? No problem. Let JKL Engineering design and install a high efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high efficiency gas boilers. JKL is Carry Factory authorized dealer. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years, JKL's reputation second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. JKL is an approved national grid BPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL, system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Remember, estimates are free, financing is available. They're licensed in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call JKL Engineering right now, residential or commercial, at 401 351 7600. JKL, they'll do it right the first time. Now call them. You don't want to get stuck. 
with an inefficient heating system, what if it starts to get really cold? Call JKL right now. Free quote, free estimate. Estimates of free financing is available. 401-351-7600. Rhode Island, Massachusetts. It's JKL Engineering. 401-351-7600. Speaking with uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, just finish up on that. Um, about I, I was surprised when uh, the mayor of Cranston, Ken Hopkins, said, oh, and he, he rattled off Mayor Lorza kind of along with this contingent of other mayors that feel that basically at this point, Governor Mundo should step aside, Lieutenant Governor McKee take over. And you're saying when clarified that that is not necessarily the case. Yeah, the, the mayor, Mayor Lorza is trying to kind of be nice with the other mayors. And of course, he wants to be in good with Dan McKee, just like everybody else. And historically, he hasn't. So I think avoiding, you know, you aren't seeing very many people rush to Gina Raimondo's side on this, um, but he's also making it pretty clear, uh, his, certainly his his aides had said to me yesterday, they're not calling for her to resign. They, they sort of, they kind of stay out of that fight. What is true is, I, I think what you're seeing more and more, and, and you're seeing in part because of what these mayors are saying is, there's real confusion about who's in charge, about who, you know, and and remember, it's not, the way these things work, as you know, is not, it's not like Jorge Alorza always calls Gina Raimondo when he needs something, right? It's about the staff. It's about, it's about, you know, who's the chief of staff? Who's the person in charge? Who's the person who has the governor's ear? And right now you're in a tough situation where you have, you know, you have to go to the governor's people and then they don't tell the, the McKee people. And then you go back to the McKee people and they have maybe whether it's a different idea or just a different way of explaining things. Uh, you have real kind of confusion among the municipal leaders. Dan McGowan, what, what was your reaction when Lieutenant Governor McKee put out that statement the other day criticizing the current administration? And the line that jumped out at me is when, once I'm governor and I receive all the information my God, I mean, what exactly is going on behind the scenes? I, I can't figure out this lieutenant governor's uh, communication strategy except to say that uh, I think he I think he's practicing the old line of, uh, uh, you know, uh, blame your predecessor because he it, it's so interesting. He, he puts out statements. You know, remember that we had this conversation weeks ago where he was very critical of Governor Raimondo and then. You know, they let him on stage and he walked it all back kind of and said, you know, we're working great. We're working hand in hand. Then, you know, on on a pretty sleepy Monday, a president's day kind of comes out with a pretty strong statement. You know, he's looking at the numbers here. He's seeing I'm sure he's listening to talk radio and watching the news and seeing, you know, people very concerned. And so then he puts out another statement. The thing is, is it's very all over the place because it is true. It has been true all along that the communication between the two offices has been uh, at the very least, the transition has not been very smooth. Um, But this was the first time that I think uh, it really got under the Ramundo team's skin. I think it always does because no one likes to be criticized. But if you saw how Monday played out. I think you had the governor's uh, communications director kind of take to Twitter to, yeah. uh, you know, I issue saw that Josh block. Yeah, yeah. His own statement <laughs> still aren't hearing the governor. The governor, remember the only time the governor has talked to the press at all has been for five minutes in a parking lot last week. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a chaotic transition. And by the way, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you and I could have said, well, I think I did say this to you, John, uh, the transition's pretty chaotic, but, you know, it's a short, it's been, you know, a very short time and nobody saw this necessarily coming. Now we're, you know, we're going to go in, we have a whole nother week. It's likely potentially next week we see uh, the governor end up on the Senate agenda for, for confirmation. But they have now had a pretty significant amount of time. You know, we're, we're going to be going on five, six weeks since we learned that, that, that she was going to be, you know, named to be the commerce secretary. So the the transition, there's really no excuse for uh, having uh, such a chaotic transition right now. Now, Dan McGowan, you have folks, it's a great story in the Boston Globe, how Rhode Island went from best in COVID-19 testing to worst in the vaccine distribution. Have you been able to uncover where is this falling short? Because it, and I don't know who's at fault, but it almost seems as though they don't have a handle 
you tell me, but uh, they don't know where the, or the number of vaccines that they've been given. They don't know whether they've been administered or how many that CVS and Walgreens still has them. It almost seems that they don't have a proper tracking mechanism to be able to tell you, here's how many we still have, here's how many we gave out in like, like an inventory situation. But what have you found out? Well, I think that's exactly, that's part of the, the big problem. And, and I should say, well, I would love folks to read my story, which is in the paper today. Yeah. Uh, I think Ch- Channel 12 did a good job on a story that really laid this specific issue out, which is, you know, they're, they're, the state is not, the state has historically, at least during, throughout the year, has been so good about pinpointing almost everything that's happening. Here's where the tests are happening. Here's where, you know, here's where the most, positive cases are i mean right down to zip codes you know you're, you're getting all this information and now when you start to ask about the state numbers first of all you, you know you, we're all relying on these uh the cdc and then the new york times data that is you know processed and you see that's where you see the rhode island uh is you know far behind in fact in some cases the worst in the country when it comes to uh the the number or the percentage of doses uh, used, which is very low, and then the percentage of residents who have gotten um, uh, at least the first dose of the vaccine. What the state is still not answering us is, you know, is what's happening to those unused doses. Now, one thing Dr. McDonald, the you know medical director at the Department of Health, said to me was he can assure us that you're not seeing, don't think that everything is being wasted, that it's not, it doesn't go used and then it completely, you know, it, it, you know, goes off to the side. You can't ever use it. He says, that's very rare, but in assuring me that he still doesn't have the, the great answer for, well, why isn't more of this happening? You nailed one of the reasons that, that they use, which is, you know, a lot of this was allocated to both CVS and Walgreens, who were handling some of the nursing home um, uh, vaccinations. And so they needed to have kind of excess uh, vaccine on hand. OK, that makes sense. But now we're a couple of weeks past all of those nursing home vaccinations. We're into that 75 and older range, and we're still not seeing the, the, the needle move. Um, and, and I think that's where I think that's why you see Dan McKee so frustrated. And now as as you start to get into, you know, I, I think within days you're going to see a 65 and older um, population be allowed to start getting this. And the the wider this gets, the wider the net gets, the more the state wants to allow cities and towns to kind of control things. And that's where things go way off the rails. Right. Because it it, it becomes you know, where am I going to do this? And, and you know, do I have the right cap- the capacity to, to make it all happen? And residents start to flood all the city and town halls saying, hey, when can I get my vaccine? I heard I could get it from you. Um, and so I think while I do think things will get better because I think you'll have more vaccine, I do think the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty turbulent. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. So, Dan, last Thursday, I'm in there in the briefing. Now, I'm, you know, hearing from the mayors, uh, certainly in Warwick and Cranston, that it's not going well. I have in front of me the New York Times saying we're the you know, worst in the nation. And then Dr. Scott gets up and uh, and, and it's it's like you're like a different land. Like she gives the whole rah-rah speech. Do you think a couple of things? Do you think, number one, that she feels torn to still almost like loyalty to Governor Mundo and give this whole rosy outlook. Things are going tremendous. And I can't get believe they start thanking people. We want to thank this one's been doing great. This one. So I asked Dan McKee the question about the, the whole New York Times ranking on the vaccine simply because this is my I, I just don't feel Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott is very obviously talented, but I just don't think she answers questions um, what, what do you make of the whole, is, is that something that behind the scenes, he knows it's a problem, but the Ramundo people are maybe still trying to like give the thumbs up that all's all as well. Not only does he know it's a problem, the Ramundo people know it's a problem. I mean, they're, they're, okay. they, they are smart people. They know that this is, uh, you know, a, a big challenge. And this reminds me of the, the, if you talk to cops, who's at fault then? Well, good, good, fault then? good question. I mean, that's the thing is we, what we don't know is who's, who do we point the finger at? What the state says, right. what the, what the state says is basically, look, 
you know, we took an a, a different approach than other states. Other states, uh, the, especially the ones that did the best, West Virginia so far, places like that, which are not always health uh, epicenters by any means, you know, went first come, first serve, whereas Rhode Island didn't take that approach. The question that I've asked, though, and haven't got a very clear answer on is, in hindsight, do you wish you went in a different direction? Because, again, don't like you know it's not just you and i or or the media who who looks at these numbers and say and says boy we're doing really bad make no mistake about it gina Raimondo is incredibly proud of being first with vaccines for a while or uh, uh, testing for a while with you know being first on schools all those things and so now that the kind of the the table has turned they're trying to kind of show this optimistic uh, view, but they know that the the same data they've relied on to for praise is now coming back to bite them. Hmm. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Dean McGowan, you could read that story in the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, your colleague Ed Fitzpatrick had a good story regarding uh, incoming Governor Dan McGowan. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health, 401-305-3585. You've seen the her store. It's right in that old white church. It's my health because, folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, because remember, it's your health. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 401-272-3340. 3340. Did someone damage your vehicle, whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle? West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. Key. What is your understanding of when Ed, I believe, reported the McKee people feel confident they think early next week he becomes the governor, which means Governor Mundo gets her full Senate confirmation and then she gets sworn in as Commerce Secretary. 
as we speak right now, what is your understanding of that timeline? I wouldn't be as definitive on that. Um, it seems logical in talking to some of the folks in the Rhode Island's congressional delegation. Uh, it, you know, they seem to believe that that, yes, next week would be a reasonable time because the Senate will be back in session. And, uh, you know, again, her her nomination, despite the you know kerfuffle with Ted Cruz, is not really in question. She's going to get, you know, well over the 50 votes, she ne- 51 votes she needs to, to be confirmed. So it's it's more of just a matter of timing. But the thing is, John, is there's so many um open cabinet seats right now and they have they have a, a bunch of controversial yeah. ones too they have to get through health and human services which is going to be maybe yeah. the tightest one that, they, that they've had so it's entirely possible that you do see it go beyond next week i will say this about the the mckee transition you know for a while they were thinking first or second week of february that they would get in right so when when i hear maybe they get in next week i think that they're flying pretty blind i think one of the reasons i can say pretty surely that they're flying blind is the governor and the lieutenant governor do not talk very much and so it's yeah. not like she's saying dan look you know uh tuesday's your day uh because even if she had that in her head uh, I honestly think Dan McKee would be one of the last people she would call. I think she'd just let it get out to the media first. Right. And uh, and Dan McGowan, she she did, by the way, when she had the five minutes outside that they called the reporters, two of them anyway, to come. She was saying, oh, he's working hard and everything else. But I just don't see a scenario where they have any more communication in, in going forward. Do you think uh, any other height? Uh, Brett Smiley has announced he's going to be leaving when the governor leaves. Any idea who gets that job? And do you think, does Dr. Scott, does she stay or, boy, that Dr. McDonald, he's a very talented communicator. Um, any thoughts on those two positions? Well, you know, it's interesting for Dr. Scott. I, I think that she, I think she wants to see this through. And, uh, you, you know, when we, we talk about the cliche of light at the end of the tunnel, there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And so staying sure. for a couple of extra months, you know, seeing it completely through might help her and might, you know, kind of bolster her resume to some degree, but also, uh, you know, it is just, you know, finishing the job, so to speak. But, excuse me, um, the the challenge with her or the, the, I suppose the other flip side to this is that if you're kind of feeling like every time the lieutenant governor and the incoming governor is critical of the administration, if you're part of the administration, it's not it's not unreasonable for her to maybe say, you know what, you know, I've helped as long as I could. I've done my job. I'm ready to go. So I think that is something really closely to watch on the Brett Smiley question. We don't have an answer yet. I do have one other piece of slight information that that I believe I believe is accurate that is happening. Last week, there was a name who's not a household name. Who was uh, who, who? Kind of abruptly resigned. And Kevin Gallagher, he's a high-level attorney and uh, deputy chief of staff to the uh, to the governor. I believe Kevin Gallagher is actually going to Washington with Gina Raimondo, so he will be the uh, wow. he will be the kind of the biggest name that goes with her to yeah. Washington. And he's a guy. I'm going to have a lot more on him uh, in the coming days because he's a guy who, if you want, if there's anybody who you can credit the Providence School takeover to. Nobody deserves more credit than him. He is the guy who pushed that wow. thing through, which, of course, then raises a whole bunch of questions about what happens with that, which I'm sure we'll talk about for weeks. <laughs> hmm. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe and Dan, um, Congressman Cicilline. I mean, he had I, I, someone had said to me, boy, he had his obituary moment, meaning that's the first line in your obituary that he was one of the impeachment managers. He uh, that was as big as it gets. As someone that has followed his career, he was at the top of his game, full command of the stage. That was a career life changing moment. And um, I, I, I mean, he 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 did all he could. This forever changes him in Washington. He's unbeatable in the, the state of Rhode Island. Now, you're not going to knock out him after that. Um, you had a good piece in the Globe about Congress. Yeah, you know, I talked to him on Sunday after everything had, uh, you know, after the Senate had acquitted President Trump. And <clears throat> I asked him exactly the version of what you just said. I, I said, Congressman, you know, you've been, uh, you were, you know, a great student, defense lawyer. You were the mayor of Providence. You got elected to Congress. D- did it dawn on you that this moment is 
the one you will be remembered for. I didn't say obit moment, but you're right, it is. It's the first line in his obit. And he was uh, he was fairly sheepish, and he kind of said to me, well, Dan, I've done a lot of things, and, and <laughs> you know, I'd like to be remembered for many of them. But he understands it. He understands the gravity of it all. And uh, I think you're right. I think these impeachment managers are getting a ton of credit right now for, uh, you know, you, you even see the many of the Republicans, I think Mitch McConnell was, <laughs> you know, as praising of, uh, the case against President Trump, despite voting, uh, you know, to acquit um, as, as almost anybody. So you are seeing these guys kind of have their moment in the sun. I, what I'm curious now, I'm always curious about when you come off the high, right? So suddenly, you you know, yeah. you, you're, you feel like you're on top of your game. Everybody knows you or everybody who should knows you knows you. Um, and you now you're suddenly back to being not in the you know top of the leadership in the house you know it's going to be back right. to before long it'll be back to going to the you know rhode island clam bakes and things like that and so you you'll wonder uh. how much he's going to try to grab attention uh going forward because you do get addicted to it yes and and he was named a while ago and it's tough for people to realize uh, it's obviously, you know, it's in the news, but what people need to understand is as he goes and walks around the Capitol, he is a somebody. Congressman Cicilline, are you kidding me? And then all the other representatives and then the senators know who you are, uh, whether it be being asked to, you know, speak at different places or, you know, fundraising when things start to get back to normal. And then I, I believe he still will – won't he play a role because they're still looking yeah, at the Yeah, so that's going to be the next – you know, the, the his next big thing on his agenda is how much is he going to, with a Biden administration, be able to kind of bring back the, the focus. That was – it wasn't an obit moment, but it was a big moment over the summer and, you know, and before that when he was when he was taking on big tech. You know, and here's the, the little, you know, congressman from little Rhode Island, uh, you know – uh, grilling Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> grilling, you know, the head of Google and yeah. Amazon, things like this. So I, I think that will be the way he tries to stay in the spotlight. But you know what? I mean, you, you've, there's so much on the Biden agenda right now that they have to get done. They have to get these vaccines right. They got to get a stimulus package done. Then they're going to want to do something bipartisan that is meaningful, maybe infrastructure or something like that. And so you wonder how quickly will uh, you know, a very complicated and uh, very political fight with big tech. You got to wonder, you know, when that will come and if they maybe say to him, hey, Congressman, you know, calm down for a little while. And, and uh, I think he would not like that very much. Dave McGowan, any other update on who uh, could be the next lieutenant governor? As far I checked in just before you and I got on and, and same same name, Sabina Matos, James Diosa seem to be the leaders. Okay. The two front runners. And what about any update on Mayor? Prime? Boy, the the resignation last week of, of Brett Smiley. Let's talk about how chaotic that was. Uh, a day before Brett yeah. Smiley announces his resignation, Dan McKee told me that he was going. I think I I reported on your show actually that he was through the budget process, and, and that's because they yes. believe that. Uh, but you know, I think a lot of this this scrutiny over the the campaign donations, and you know, the Republicans filed a, an ethics complaint. So now you're you know the, the you're you're the director of administration who is under investigation. I think it it all bubbled up, and he kind of realized, okay, it's time to go. This is a headache that nobody wants to have. Um, I still remain of the mind, John, that this happened so early that there's a way for him to come through it and come back from it. But it's he is going to be kind of pitched as the ethically challenged candidate. And, you know, you're, you're going to have these, these yeah. other candidates are going to have to emerge as, you know, some version of the opposite of that, uh, while also trying to kind of raise money from the same people that Brett raises. It's a lot to lots going to happen yeah. over the next year. And that's all before they actually get into the year where they're on the ballot. But the fact that he's, uh, you know, was meeting with Ed Coutinho, I, I don't know if he's concerned about the ethical perception here. The question is whether has he already hired Brit <laughs> or is he going to hire Brit? If you're meeting with Ed Coutinho, that's we I think I know the direction you're going. Folks, each day uh, and it's just filled with information. It is roadmap that I receive a free email. 
from Dan McGowan. And Dan, I'd like you to, uh, if you don't mind, extend the offer. Yeah, every week, John, your listeners flood my email inbox to sign up. So I, I thank you for that. And here's the easiest thing you can do. Send me a blank email. Don't have to write anything other than to the address, rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. And what you get, it's free. You get the four or five minute read. You get original reporting from me. Then you get all the links to the stories that I'm doing and my colleagues, the Globe, are doing both about Rhode Island, but then also, you know, here's what the Reds, we had a great interview with David Ortiz, you know, former Red Sox star this week. So there's lots of that kind of stuff in there. And then there's the breakdown of what's happening is, you know, it's Ash Wednesday today, of course, but also, you know, uh, where's the Lieutenant Governor is going to be here or uh, Gina Raimondo is doing this. So uh, it's a really quick read, rinews at globe.com. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Hey, one more quick thing on Cicilline to give you an idea of the level he's at. I was on standby for two of the cable news, such as I talked to them ahead of time, and it was like, you know, you know him, you've covered him. So if he had like a blow-up moment, they then go to you <laughs> and have you on as someone that has covered him. That's that's the level that he's at, and that's uh, that's pretty big. Unfortunately, yeah, he, he didn't have he any. Had the one, he had the but, one, um, you know, was... kind of slip up with the way he explained the conversation, but even that, I think, you know, I think he he kind of, he mostly recovered yeah. from, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't big in the, oh, the, yeah. the you know the bigger scope there. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was not, folks. Uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job. Good to hear from you, John. We'll See talk ya. to you again. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today. Four zero one four three one. 2300 MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third party brokers for your company, your housing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies? You can depend on Mega MEGA Logistics. Call them today 401 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company, maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401 401- 439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today. 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at yankee tree service their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best the treatment plan for your tree and maybe it's an emergency service did something come down call them today 439-6028 439-6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439-6028 or online at yankee tree service.com